Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Hey, this is Christy Taylor of Christy Taylor Consulting. And the host of The Christy Taylor Show. You can find me on ChristyTaylorConsulting.com. And yes, I'm hanging out with my girl, Ina Esco, on Verbally Effective. You are listening to Chef Reagan, author of The Single Girl's Guide to Great Cooking, also known as The Cosmopolitan Cook. And you are listening to Verbally Effective with Ina Esco. Hello, hello. Welcome once again to the Verbally Effective Podcast with your host, your double E, Ina Esco. You know, this podcast intersects art, culture, politics, entertainment with a Memphis flair. That's right. I am talking to all of the amazing people that are either from Memphis or have ties to Memphis that have impacted the community here. Now, you guys know I need you to subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and all streaming platforms. Let's jump right into it because I have one of my favorite, favorite, uh, I'm fangirling right now. (laughs) Back at you. Former news broadcasters, news anchors in the building with me. She was the queen of morning news here in Memphis. (laughs) And she has totally flipped her life. She has a new reality show web series dropping very soon. It's in production right now. I am talking about the one, the only Mary Beth Conley. (laughs) So good to see you, Ina. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. How are you? I am great. And it's so good to see you. Remember in the days of Water Cooler Wednesday back on Live at 9 on Channel 3? Love coming there to chat. It was a great show. Specifically with you. Of course. We kept it hot. We kept it hot. <laughs> and then and the piping. pandemic totally messed things yes. up. But you know what? They might get back to it. It looks I'll like they're bringing people in. coming. They're starting people to, back in the studio now. They're starting to, so I'll, I'll put a good word in to, to revive Water Cooler Wednesday. Hook me that up. Was the mo- that was my most favorite Look, look a, a Water Cooler uh, segment or a verbally effective segment. There you go. They could change the whole name after Come all. Come on, guys. I mean, it goes hand Why in not? hand. But you know what I have always loved about you, Mary Beth? There's no telling. <laughs> to me, you have always marched to the beat of your own drum. You were never afraid to ask the hard questions. (laughs) Or the uncomfortable questions. The uncomfortable questions. Well, you know, I never wanted to be in broadcasting. It was never, um, I didn't study it. I didn't pursue it. I I look back on my 40 years in television. 40 years. Yeah. And I, I tried to get out. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. I always enjoyed it, and it was always so easy for me. I mean, for those 20 years I I did the 9 o'clock show, I literally would drive into the parking lot at 8.45 with my hair in a ponytail. It just was not ever work right because it didn't feel like you were trying too hard and and i I see people that try hard yes they're desperate to be on tv and that's okay you know that's Mm -hmm. great if that's if that's a dream that's a that's as good a dream as anything else but it was never my dream and i think that's why because i have had many people tell me you know you asked you said what i was thinking Mm -hmm. and often it was not a politically correct or a well, uh, it was, you know what, I used to ask the stupid questions or what seemed like stupid questions, because if you're not 
um, worried about how you look and your image. Right. You don't need to be, you don't need to look like the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. You ask genuine questions that you really are like, you know what? I don't understand that. Explain it more. And viewers would tell me, I was wondering the same thing. Right. So I think sometimes if you, if you want the dream of being on TV too much, you're conscious, you're more conscious of yourself than your guest. Yes. You know, and you're not natural. So anyway. That's true. That's true. Well, let's start at the beginning. Mary Beth Conley, where are you originally from? Well, I was born in New Mexico, but <clears throat> New Mexico, mm. but my dad was a mining engineer and we moved to Mascot, Tennessee, Mascot. which was a, back in the day, it was owned. It was a company town. It was owned by the mine um, where he worked for the mine. And uh, so it's, it's about 20 minutes outside Knoxville. Little mascot tiny mascot. It literally is named for the company, uh, the mining company that that formed the town, and it stands for Mining and Smelting Company of Tennessee. Oh wow! How the, was it? <laughs> how was it growing up in a mining community? You I've know, seen documentaries. It was for <laughs> us. It was great because my dad was the head geologist. Okay, and so we lived mm-hmm. in this little circle of houses that was a set aside a little bit from the miners' homes. Um, and the houses, it was like a country club by Appalachian standards. Oh, I mean, wow. the houses were like twelve hundred square feet. They were not fancy houses, but we had a pool. We had our own basketball court, and because it, we were sort of segregated because we were management folks. The kids of the town would tell me their moms and dads wouldn't let them come play on what was called Snob Hill. Snob Hill. Right, because back in the 40s, they weren't allowed to. So when I was there in the 70s, there the generational, um, you know, there was still a generational thing, and, mm-hmm. and they just were not allowed to come play. Mm. So we had this little pool all to ourselves, the 12 families that lived on this hill oh, but it wow. was great it was idyllic we had our own basketball court we had a baseball field mm-hmm. we had woods it was beautiful east tennessee it was a great place east to grow tennessee up. now what was the young mary beth conley into <laughs> you know reading reading <laughs> i was yeah i love escaping into the books i was very shy painfully shy really oh painfully my my dad when i when i actually <clears throat> started in broadcasting was astonished that i that was something that I would do. Wow. It just, I fell into it. I actually, I graduated from college in 1982 with a degree in advertising. I wanted to write okay. ads at an ad agency. Okay, advertising. Ads. I can see it. Right. But in 82, there was a huge recession. So advertising agencies were not hiring. So I fell into the only job I could find, which was as a sales secretary for the CBS affiliate in Memphis. I mean, in, in Knoxville, sorry, WBIR okay. at that time. I was the worst sales secretary in the history of sales secretary. Not you, Mary Oh, Beth. girlfriend. I am totally a creative, <laughs> totally a creative, no administrative ability at all. But I was friendly, and they put up with me. But three months into that job, the station wanted to produce a telethon to combine pe- or to, to um, connect people who needed jobs in this recession with companies that had jobs. They called it a jobathon. Okay. And anyone who's ever worked in TV knows that no one in TV likes telethons. <laughs> it's just the dirty secret. Right. It's a horrible TV. It's not creative. So they were looking for someone to produce this jobathon, and no one would do it. Mm-hmm. And I was so desperate to stop being a sales secretary, I raised my hand and I said, I'll do it. 
I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never had a broadcasting course. I knew nothing about video. I knew nothing. But I figured, hey, learn on the job. And they equally desperate let me do it. And how did the job a thon go? It was a massive success. It was okay. on a Sunday night. It was supposed to go for two hours. But people would not stop calling, and it went on for four hours. And at the end of it, the anchors wanted to bring me out and say, this is the person who put it together. Mm-hmm. And I ran and hid in a janitor's closet. No. I did not want to be on TV. That was your debut. I didn't want to be on TV. Okay. you Okay. You were still shy. Oh, my gosh. I had no desire to be on TV. Okay. But from there, the, the news director thought that I had potential and asked me to produce a morning talk show. And then they wanted me to be on the morning talk show. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. I don't want to be on TV. Mm-hmm. But you know, somehow I ended up anchoring the morning talk show. And okay. then I became a consumer reporter and the rest is moved to Memphis oh, when I got married. And they gave me a job at Channel 3 and I've been there ever since. I've never applied for a job other than at Channel 3. Amazing. What Never made you move from Knoxville tape. to Memphis? I was uh, dating and engaged to a newspaper reporter in Knoxville, and he got a job at the Memphis Commercial Appeal. Okay. So I remember it was June of 1985. I, I came here to visit him, and I was going to apply for some jobs in TV, logically. Mm-hmm. Looked at all the stations, and I said, well, if Channel 3 doesn't hire me, I'll, I'll just do something else. I really didn't care. Mm-hmm. So I went and applied at Channel 3, and they said, Yep, we want to hire you as a consumer reporter. I said, that's great, but I can't start till September because I'm not getting married till the end of August. Mm-hmm. Now, you know how media is, right? Yes. They don't hold jobs mm-hmm. for a little country girl with very little on her resume. They don't hold jobs for three months, but they did. They did. They said, okay, we'll wait. Wow. They were very impressed, Mary but see, Beth. Here's the thing. But see, that doesn't happen in broadcasting, and that's why I know God needed me in broadcasting for what we're doing now. That's true. That was just the beginning. Yeah. Um, But I do want to ask you this about broadcasting. Um, How was it being a woman in broadcasting um, at the time that you got into it? Uh, Because, you know, there are so many double standards with uh, news, with uh, radio, media in general, Mm -hmm. with, you know, the things that we go through. Well, there still are. Mm -hmm. You notice that uh, men age better on tv they do why is that um, well for instance when i retired last september i was uh, i just turned 63 Mm -hmm. and i knew that even if i did want to go back into uh, a daily news job there's no way Mm -hmm. a 63 year old woman could start in a different market a 63 year old man could definitely so there's you know there's still that but Mm -hmm. um I honestly, you know, I, I'm I'm really not the one to ask because since I didn't ever want it, I just okay. kind of floated along. Mm-hmm. And three months after I was here in Memphis as a reporter, I went into the news director. I found out that anchors made a little bit more than reporters. Mm-hmm. I was so ignorant about the business, I hadn't known that. And so I thought, well, I can anchor. I went into the news director's office and said, I'd like to anchor. <laughs> This is not what you do. Right. And he actually initially said, you have less than a 40% chance of ever anchoring in Memphis. And I said, well, um, I want to. Mm-hmm. And a few weeks later, he called me up and said, okay, we're going to put you on the noon news with Pam Crittenden and, mm-hmm. and Todd Demers. Todd Demers. Hey, Todd. Todd, my buddy. <laughs> also with Water Cooler Wednesday. Yes. Alex. Yeah, Alex. And so I started anchoring. 
And then I was on the 10 anchoring. And then I wanted to quit because I had two little babies at home. So I turned in my resignation and they're like, no, 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 no. What do you, what will you do if you, can you do part time? Mm -hmm. I said, okay, you have to take me off the 10. Mm -hmm. I want to work mornings only four hours a day. I'll do that. (laughs) Again, no one. And at that time, the 10 o'clock news was the primary big dog. Nobody leaves the 10 o'clock news to go to morning news. These days, morning's big. But, but you were calling the shots. You I just was calling, and that doesn't would happen. work for you. That doesn't happen, see? And that's why I know it was God all along going, yes. no, you need, you need to stay in broadcasting. I got something for you to do later. And oh, that's wow. what we're doing now. Oh, my. Oh, my. So God's amazing. And he I is. did not have a relationship with him until I was 50 years old. Wow. Well, you know what? We're going to get all into this next chapter of your life, Crazy. Mary Beth. And we're going to bring hubby Rick along as well <laughs> on this part two over here at Verbally Effective with Mary Beth Conley. We're talking all things Flip My Life up next. Hey, guys, welcome back to the Verbally Effective Podcast. I'm your host, Ina Esco. It's time for part two with Mary Beth Conley and her hubby, Rick. We're talking all <laughs> things Flip My Life. This is the new web series that her and Rick have developed. Uh, Mary Beth and Rick, welcome to part two. Thank you. I see you got your boo with you. Uh, my boo. As our I dear was... friend Reagan Oglesby calls him, my new boo. Yeah. Your new boo. Y'all look so in love. Tell me how you guys connected. You want to start? Because it's a, it's a story. How we can know you start. You tell it. Because you've been knowing each other for a while. I'll fill in. You'll fill in. It is a story. Well, let me let me just start with <laughs> eight months ago on the 50th anniversary of the day we met, or the first day in eighth grade in Mascot, Tennessee. In Mascot. We got married. 50 years to the day. So Divine. Yes. <laughs> so much. Yes. But long story short, um, I, I was here in Memphis, of course, since 1985 working and had, had uh, four kids and you know busy family everything that everybody has and in 2003 um my family life started getting very chaotic i won't go into all the problems but it was it was very difficult and you know having to be that chirpy happy mm-hmm. morning perky morning person. yes and i also had a radio show at the time so i had two daily shows and i, I had a new baby and I just um, never had a moment to sit and figure out what was, how I could fix what was wrong. I just kept going to the next deadline, and, and I was constantly pretending that you had your life together, right? Mm-hmm. So it was it was rough. And finally, in two thousand nine, is when I broke and I reached for God, and I had no other place to go. I didn't even know He existed. Mm. But a friend of, uh, not a friend, actually someone I met very randomly, um, was so, she had left the, left a very lucrative corporate career 20 years before to go into the mission field with her three children. I thought that was lunacy. And I was like, why would you do that? And she said, because God told me to. And the only place you'll have peace is if you're where (laughs) God wants you to be. Mm. And I was so desperate for peace. And I said, how do I get that? And she said, well, you have to be in the word. I did not know what that meant because i did not own the Bible at the, mm. at the time. Okay. I said, what does that mean? Well, you get up every morning an hour early and you sit with God, ask him what you want to know, ask him what you need, and open the Bible and start to read it. I'm like, okay. So the next morning I did that, and I opened the Bible on page page one. 
So three weeks later, (laughs) I'm looking for direction in my life, and I'm in numbers, Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of mad. I would use the term PO'd, but I don't think we should on podcast. So can I say that? You're good. Girl, I was pissed off (laughs) at God. Because I thought I would see in the Bible, Mary Beth, here's here's my purpose for you. And this is where you'll find peace. And I mm-hmm. hadn't found it. And I was tired because yeah. I was getting up at five in the morning. So I, my dad uh, in East Tennessee was, um, was near death. He was in a hospice. And I got on a plane to come be by his side and say goodbye. And now understand I had all these children. I had two busy daily shows, you know, doing a talk show. I was constantly on. And I had one hour on this flight to be by myself. No viewers no family. I had my novel in my hand. I was going to escape. And the guy in the middle seat is talking to me. And I'm thinking, don't talk to him. (laughs) (laughs) But he's doing the whole what do you do thing. And he tells me I'm a pastor. I'm an itinerant pastor. And I travel from congregation to congregation to help them get into the word. Mm. And I heard that phrase. And I said, I'm trying to do that. And it's not working. Mm. So we ended up having this hour long conversation over the course of the flight and he said you need to start in the new testament don't mm-hmm. start at the first of the book which i thought was crazy because you read a book at page one right, right. well not the bible not apparently. the bible so he's like <clears throat> you need to start in the new testament i want you to get this book called sit walk stand mm-hmm. it's by watchman Nee, who was a christian in prison in china for being a christian and he wrote this book it'll get you into ephesians and from there god will tell you where to go and i'm like okay mm-hmm. So I get to Knoxville, and my dad dies, and because his death had been planned, we, we didn't have anything to do the next day. It wasn't, you know, we just had a, an empty day. So I called this acquaintance of mine who lived in Knoxville. I said, let's go have lunch. She knew nothing of my personal challenges. She knew nothing about my search for God. We, we were just very casual acquaintances. And we're sitting there at Panera Bread waiting for our food, just chit-chatting. And she suddenly reaches out and grabs my arm and says, oh, my God, I almost forgot. When we leave here, would you mind following me to Cedar Bluff Bookstore? Because the other day I was online buying books, and God told me to get you this book. And it came this morning. It'll save me nailing it to Memphis if you'll follow me there. It's called Sit, Walk, Stand. Have you ever heard of it? Amazing. Girl. (laughs) Goosebumps. Goosebumps. You're like, okay, God is working now. That was the first time Mm -hmm. I knew there was a God and that he cared about me and Mm -hmm. that I could ask him anything. And from there, the next six years were just that hour in the morning I would spend with him was the only way I got through the day. It was like I used that hour to get to a peaceful place, and it shored me up because my family problems were getting worse. And I I fell in love with him. Mm-hmm. I got addicted to it. So in 2015, I said, I'll do anything you want me to do. All I want to be is where you want me to be. Mm. And I'll have peace forever. And in my prayer journal, I found myself writing the words, flip my life. And I was developing a show idea where we would take abandoned houses in Memphis and renovate them for people trapped in generational poverty. And I was like, I want to do anything you want me to do. But do you remember that part about I don't want to do TV? Mm. <laughs> It's and a so different I form argued with him. It is a different form, but I had no t- I had no finances. I had no contacts. I could. I just. There was no way mm-hmm. I could 
dive into something like that at that point in my life. So I was like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, we'll talk about this later. (laughs) And I put him off for three years. I gave him every excuse in the book. And in the winter of 2018, the end of February, it came roaring back. It was was like a presence in my head. It's time to do Flip My Life. Mm -hmm. But the houses are not just for people trapped in generational poverty. The houses need to go to people returning to Memphis from prison. Mm. And my reaction was, what the hell? <laughs> Where did it come from? Thing. <laughs> okay. I had never thought about criminal justice. I'd never thought about incarceration. I was like, what? But the, the presence would not go away. And every morning it was pounding at me. And after about two weeks, I was like, you know what? That is a great concept for a show. I don't have any money. I don't know how to produce a show. I don't have the energy. I just can't. But it's a great concept. Great concept. So another week maybe went by. It was early March. And I I finally said, fine. You know what? I'll shoot a pilot. I can figure out enough. I can figure out production folks who will do this for me for free. I can figure out a story. I can find an incarcerated individual. I can, I can handle that. Mm-hmm. But... I need a contractor with whom I have chemistry. Because you know in the media, Mm -hmm. you're in the media, chemistry is not something you can fake. No, it's not. Right? (laughs) Uh, So I need a contractor with whom I have chemistry who would care about the issue of reentry. You figure that out and we'll get started. Mm -hmm. And the presence went away. This was March of 2018. And that Memorial Day of 2018, my family was going to go back to Mascot, my hometown, we were going to have a my siblings and I am one of one of six kids, uh, and all our we were just going to have a little reunion. So we go. My f- daughter was fourteen at the time, and she got kind of bored on Saturday because she's by far the youngest of the cousins. So well, I said, "Well, let's." The cousin she was supposed to meet there, right. and run around. <laughs> there with was couldn't be there. Right, there's one cousin who mm-hmm. who's close closer to her age, <clears throat> and she at the last minute couldn't go. So I was like, "Oh, what am I going to do with with Abby?" So she got bored, so I took her around the my little neighborhood um, for a walk to show her where I grew up. And we passed the last house on the circle, and I said, oh, I used to walk around at night wishing this boy would come out. I had a big crush on him. Ooh. Girl, I did not even know I said his <laughs> name, but apparently I did because the next day we were driving somewhere, and she says, I found him. Oh. Abby and found him. Yeah, I found him, and he's so old. Oh, no, she did <laughs> She not. was looking she for did. a 13-year-old boy. I think she had in her mind, this yeah. was a 14-year-old boy, right? Right. And she, I said, what are you talking about? Because we had not had any conversation about, I wonder what he's doing now. I wish I knew. I said, what are you talking about? She hands me the phone, and it was Rick's Facebook page. <laughs> Rick. 59-year-old yeah. man. <laughs> I was like, is that really him? Because he shaves his head now. You know, he had hair when he was 13. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm Good like, hair. Wow. <laughs> so I did not feel any any romantic vibes. I didn't hear any birds chirping. Not from the face. Ringing, not mm-hmm. from the face, but I was just looking at it. What I felt was curiosity because... 2018, if you remember back, was a time when it suddenly seemed okay and in some parts of America promoted to be racist. Mm -hmm. Uh, The white white nationalist movement was growing. Um, Mexicans were being called rapists. It just was a... It broke my heart. And um, 
what I saw in Rick's Facebook page made me curious because he is a, he, at that time he was a 59-year-old white guy who Old was headed. raised in a part <laughs> of the country where there's not a lot of diversity. Mm-hmm. And thus, it's not that East Tennessee is bigoted at all. It's that they're ignorant of systemic racism mm-hmm. in America because it, they don't see it. You know, there's just mm-hmm. not a whole lot of diversity. Um, so I, and he was on a Harley, and I have my own prejudices, I thought. Mm-hmm. I guess I looked at this picture, and I was like, this guy should be a disenfranchised white male, and yet in both his profile and cover shot, he was holding a little black girl. Mm. And I saw love, mm-hmm. and I wanted to know how he stayed nice. Okay. So over the summer, I looked at his page a couple of times. I never friended him, um, and I don't know why, because we were friends. <laughs> I looked at his page trying to figure out who this little girl was to him. Mm -hmm. And when we got uh, close to August and the Charlottesville anniversary, you know, the Charlottesville um, Mm -hmm. race riot. Well, it wasn't a race riot. It was a white nationalist rally at which a woman was killed. And I I just had to know. So I messaged him, and I just said, hi, Rick. I didn't even know if he would get the message because we weren't Facebook friends. But I said, hi, Rick. I was a mascot recently. Just wondered how you were. Mm-hmm. I thought, here's the reporter. I would open up a conversation with his old friend. And <laughs> Emphasis work, on old. Old. Old very crush. Old, very old friend. Okay. And I would work my way around to, who is this child and why do you love her? And um, in his message back to me, we were just catching up. And he said, oh, I always had the biggest crush on you. Girl, I <laughs> that lost was the response. my the mind. <laughs> and I felt... My heart explode. Oh, my God. That's how you felt, Mary Beth. I mm-hmm. was, and I was sitting on my couch thinking, you are crazy. You don't know this person. You have not spoken to this person in 40 years. You, are, you have a family. You, mm. what are you? But I, I felt like a 13-year-old girl. I bet you did, little butterflies. <laughs> little, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so he said, look, I hate, to, I hate to text. Call me sometime. Let's catch up. And he gave me his numbers the next morning instead of praying to God and Spending my hour with God. Sorry, God. <laughs> Trying to spend it with Rick. I <laughs> called him up, and we talked for three hours. Oh, my. Catching up. And um, every day for That became days. a routine. Yeah, yeah. Every, every morning. I'd walk around the neighborhood, and we'd talk and talk and talk. Oh, and my. Talk. Rick, how did you feel when she hit you up on Facebook? Well, we started talking. Well, first of all, I was like, I knew she was married. Mm-hmm. I knew she was in Memphis, but I didn't. Really know much more. He thought I might be divorced because Conley was my right. maiden name. I knew her as Mary name. Beth Conley, but I knew she was married. So I was like, what's going on here? And I didn't want to be with a married woman. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what I mean. But you be were feeling a, be, some flutters. But yeah, I was like, oh gosh, <laughs> He's I trying to feelings find out. I remembered back in the eighth grade. I mean, she'd get out of that pool and walk back to oh, her house. Oh, 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 <laughs> little light blue bikini bottoms. And I, <laughs> my eyes followed her all Come the way on, to really? her house. Okay. I, know, I, I remember very, very <laughs> clear. How I, wish I, how I wish I'd looked back. Very clear. <laughs> oh, hey. And uh, I was like, gosh, you know, my mom and dad always loved her. Mm-hmm. My brothers, I mean, she was just a great girl, but she was just quiet. Okay. You know, so I, I mean, I was, I was like, hey. And at this same time, I had kind of lost my faith with God and was on the last foot. And I was like, God, I'm giving you this one last chance. Mm. Now, this is like five weeks earlier. I'm wanting to either remarry so I can build a house or not get married at all. It doesn't matter to me. I hadn't dated anybody in eight years at this time. I'd oh, wow. given up on women. and I. Was, but I want to go forward with my life. So 
before I build a house or remodel a house for me, I want to do it for a wife or for me. Mm-hmm. So show So me. put me, let me know, am I supposed to be married or not? Put someone in my life. And five weeks later, she calls. So I'm like, oh, my God. Well, the more we talk. <laughs> Is this the one? Yeah. I mean, the more we talk. She loves hot tea in the morning. She loves chocolate pudding, mashed potatoes, chicken <laughs> this steak. This is I'm why like, you fell in love biscuits. with Biscuits. I'm saying, this is me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we, we, uh, a life and, partner. And all the talking that she couldn't do when we were in eighth grade. <laughs> oh, my God, the floodgates opened. Not shy anymore, Mary Beth. Huh? We talked personal stuff. <laughs> oh, we were. We, we could we, not believe we what we could down. talk about. Yeah, I got down and dirty so on it. Ten days later, Damn. we met I said, I have to meet you. I have to yeah. meet you to I'm see. like, oh, no, no, no. Because I was still married. My husband and I had been separated, um, still living in the same house, but we were, for about 18 months, we were, we knew we were in trouble. We were yeah. working on it. Mm-hmm. And I was, I told my husband, I was talking to him. Um, yeah. I didn't know. I just thought this was nostalgia for me. I, I couldn't understand. It made no sense. I kept telling myself, this makes no sense. Mm. But I couldn't stop thinking about him. I couldn't stop talking to him. Um and so we met in Nashville and had I told her. I, I talked to her into it. I said, look, let's meet in Nashville, Opryland Hotels, one of my favorite hotels. Mm. Just beautiful garden scenery and everything. Let's let's go there. Well, so, I show up, and I'm waiting. And it took her two and a half hours after she said she'd be there. And I'm thinking, kept thinking she gave up. Well, you, you was, you was. I had to stop at a gas station and fix myself. Get her pretty sure. Okay, but, I understand. But when she anyway. stepped out of the car, I knew right then. I said, this is the woman for me. Oh, wow. And I told her. I said, look, we may never get married. We never, may never be together. You're either the one or I've got nobody. Mm-hmm. I put the pressure on her real quick. <laughs> oh, my. And I, I looked at her. I said, oh, my God, yeah. And I fell in love. I'd never been in love, really love. I was married for 21 years, divorced, then married for another two and a half, or really one and a half. And I realized I didn't know what love was. Until that day she walked in, well, oh, got out wow. of her car. It was a convertible Mercedes, but, you know, it's a different story. <laughs> so this was day 10 uh, after yeah. we'd started talking, and mm-hmm. I just, um, I, when we left Nashville, we had not talked about the future. Really, well, we stayed other up than, 24 hours yeah. in the garden, talking, in the garden, talking. talking the whole time. And then there was someone, we ate breakfast in the garden, and there was this couple that came up <laughs> recognized her from Memphis. You're Mary Beth Conway. That was my first time seeing someone recognize her. Because <laughs> so, so, so it would, would happen much so more weird. going forward. Oh, so it weird. does. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, so I get my car to come back to Memphis, and I just burst into hysterical t- tears. Mm. I could not explain it. I'm not overly emotional, but I was a crying jag. And I had to stop for caffeine because we'd been up all night talking. So about 60 miles outside Nashville, I finally pulled into a convenience store, and I just sat out the convenience store outside and fixed my face and caught my breath and just, I said, Lord, I don't understand myself. Show me who I am. Mm. I didn't say show me what to do. I did not think I really could do anything. I, I really don't, I wasn't, I was like incoherent. So I said, show me who I am. And I walked into the convenience store, smack dab into a display of pecans. Mm. All sorts of caramel pecans, salted pecans, plain pecans, roasted pecans, and the brand name was Mascot. Mm. And I stood there, I'd almost bumped into the display. I stood there and I felt this immense sense of peace. 
it came over me, and I knew what I was going to do. I can't explain it. I just said, okay. I got back in the car, and I spent the rest of the drive contemplating what it would be like to be divorced. Mm. And thinking about my children, three were adults, and one was 14. And I, I said, it'll be okay. We'll all be okay. I got to Memphis, and I texted Rick. This is your last chance to run the other direction, because <laughs> I know you're it okay. for me. And he said, I'm not going anywhere. So I told my husband the next day what had happened. I, I told him, I had already told him that Rick and I had reconnected, but I didn't tell him how I was feeling about that reconnection because I didn't, I really thought it was nostalgia. So I told my husband that this time we were going to stop working on it and that I didn't inadvertently opened a door that I just was not going to be able to close. Was it hard for you to tell nope. your then-husband? No, I, I knew. Okay. I felt so. And that's very weird for me because I am an overthinker. Me too. Extraordinaire. <laughs> I make pro-con lists. I over, oh, overanalyze. She's several. <laughs> there was never any doubt. I never questioned it. Mm-hmm. Um, we were about to celebrate our 33rd wedding anniversary. Oh, wow. And we had never fought. The problems were not... The problem was between us, but we had a very... We had grown so distant. So on the outside, we looked like we had a very stable and healthy marriage when, in fact, we were very far apart. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, and he understood completely. Mm -hmm. And he said, this is the right thing to do. Oh, wow. This is the most amicable divorce ever. In fact, we lived together after we were divorced. We thought that was better for our daughter Mm -hmm. um, for about a year. Anyway, long story short, um, it was after I told my husband, and he said, you're right. This is the right thing to do. In my prayer time the next morning, it was as if God said, so, what are you going to do now? <laughs> because you see, in that very first phone conversation with Rick, we caught up on each other's 40 years uh, worth of life that we had not known each other. And I, he told me that he'd been a contractor since oh, the wow, early 90s. Oh, wow, the contractor. And then he told me about the day, as he put it, in 2008 when he lost his mind. Mm. Is that where I come in? That's where you come in. It's your part. Yeah. Well, I was a contractor. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of work. Uh, 2008, the economy's going down. People are losing their jobs. Remember the housing crisis? Yeah. The housing crisis. And uh, people started calling. I'd collect money and hold jobs, pretty much. I was booked out six to eight months. They'd write me a check. I wouldn't see them for six to eight months. Mm. While well, he was working. So and, but I was working all these other jobs mm-hmm. so it was a retainer anyway i started returning the money to these people i didn't have to my contract said it but anyway they felt like they couldn't afford the i turned around anymore. i was losing everything wow. i'd given all the money out no new jobs were coming in i had my daughter was in college i was trying to help her out there's a lot of situation going on but anyway yeah. lost my mind and thought i'll go rob a bank what and uh I realized I'm not very good bank robber. <laughs> what happened, Rick? Uh, as I was in prison, that was the biggest joke to all the prisoners. They wanted me to retell this story of me robbing the bank. Because in to some hear ways it. it's sad, but in other ways it's hilarious. Okay. The, the teller testified he was the nicest bank robber she'd ever encountered. Rick. It's, it's very, very sad. He had an unloaded BB gun. Unloaded BB gun. But through all of that, what happened, and it changed my life. I wouldn't give it, I wished I'd never done it, but I'm glad. And it's funny to say, because it changed my life and my perspective 
on how people are treated through sentencing, uh, how people judge you afterwards, and how hard it is for some people to come back and get jobs. True. And to start a life over. Mm. I didn't have to face a lot of that. They let me out for almost four months in between. I, I had no bond. They let me out before I actually was going in to plead guilty to finish a few jobs so my customers that I did have could uh, have the job built, made whole yeah. mm-hmm. the job. They allowed me to see my daughter graduate from college. I drove all over East Tennessee. No problem with no bond or anything. So how often do you think a bank robber is allowed out without bond? Exactly. I'm like, they Mm -hmm. let you do that? Mm -hmm. And I I was sentenced. I pled guilty. I was sentenced to, and it was an armed, a violent act. Even though the BB gun was unloaded. The BB gun was unloaded, but it was not a true firearm. So they counted it under violence. Mm -hmm. So I was sentenced, supposedly a little harsher, but not harsh enough. I got 42 months and I did 31 and I'm shipped out finally to Texas for two years. And I'm out there with people of color, marijuana charges for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that I've, I felt so guilty over my sentencing, which I should have been tickled to death and happy, and I was. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not offering to do 12, 13 years, but I just didn't see, it wasn't right. And then afterwards, I, I do my time. They give me five months halfway house. And I spend three, four weeks in the halfway house, and they let me go live with my mom and dad. I didn't, I had to have a job. Well, I had people that waited three years for me. So we never had my to business. check a box. I didn't wow. have to go find a job somewhere else. I had work already waiting. Now, I can't vote. I can't carry a firearm. I never cared about carrying a firearm anyway. I'd love to be able to vote. Mm-hmm. But for all sense and purposes, it's never affected my life. Right. And I know that's not the fact with so many people. True. And I hate to keep saying people of color, but really. It is what it is. Yes. And I saw my privilege, and I hate to harp on that, but I saw it. And it is so hard for even people in my family to see it. Gotcha. Wow. My biggest biggest problem was, and I get teary-eyed because my biggest regret because I did scare some people when I robbed the bank. Mm-hmm. And that played a big part, too. You know, so that's what gets me. He's t- so he's telling me in that conversation about how it had helped him. It had, it had opened his eyes yeah. to the way our country does criminal justice in, in ways that are often inequitable, to the challenges that people who he discovered while in were good people who had screwed up yeah you know made a mistake um, yeah right and wanted to get back but if you have all these hurdles and barriers in your way uh, anyway so he's telling me all this in our first conversation completely over my head <laughs> until after i'd talked with my husband about it and he said yeah we need to divorce you need to go this way. And in the next, my next prayer time, it was as if God said, so six months ago, you told me you needed a contractor with whom you have chemistry who would yeah. care about reentry And chemistry. What Isn't are you going to do now? Thing. Yeah. And so I called Rick up and I said, how do you feel about being on TV? <laughs> what do you and think? he said, huh? I oh, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> so, not into the reality shows of stars, you know, 
houses and stuff because I think there's a lot of the renovation, the goofy part of it. Well, you're starring in one now, Rick. (laughs) You're starring. But while it's a renovation show, um, it's really a show about people because Mm -hmm. the renovation aspect of it is um, the flip is going to be fun. Mm -hmm. We are, this house is an amazing house. It will be six bedrooms, four and a half baths. So it will serve six returning citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to tell their stories. Yes. The electrician subcontractor we, we've hired uh, spent how many years in prison? Well, he was in for 25. He was mm-hmm. a kingpin. And I, you know, hopefully one day we'll have him tell his story. He was on a RICO charge, so he yeah. was a big bad dude. He makes Rick look like the kindergartner of <laughs> yeah. crim- criminals. Yeah. Um, and, and he's in like a master's degree. But he learned the electrician skills in prison. And he came out, he started a company, he's built an enormous company. He now, and he's a pastor, mm. he's dedicating a portion of his church to a training center. Wow. He hires ex-cons. So we're going to profile him mm-hmm. because we want to tell the stories of new returning citizens and the hurdles they face, sure, and the things they're doing to get back. They, they have to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. They have to want redemption. Okay. But we also want to tell the stories of folks who... We're who the public's not afraid of. I'm using finger quotes, right? Substantial business people, mm-hmm. people you'd see at parties, who also were ex-cons. You wouldn't even realize what right? they've done. You yes. know, DeAndre Brown, who's the director of the Shelby County Office of Reentry, is a felon, mm-hmm. nicest guy in the world, yes. who screwed up. But haven't we all? Haven't we all? We went to Lamorne on College mm-hmm. together. Did you with DeAndre? Yes. Oh, cool. He's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I he mean, he looks older than you. <laughs> oh yeah, a lot older, DeAndre. That's why I was like, what? A lot older. <laughs> well, I mean, it's amazing that you know how the parallels to your broadcasting career has, you know, that's changed God, the trajectory of your life. That's why God, and God, of course, keep me in broadcasting. Yes. And I, and that's why Rick and I both had accidental careers because he taught himself construction. Mm-hmm. Wow. It was not something that he graduated from college yeah. in architecture. I never went to college. Anything. Didn't want to. He just began building decks and grew this business of 30 years. He's won awards. And I, totally accidental broadcasting career. So God knew all along what he wanted us yes, to do. So the sure. show is called Flip My Life. We have a website, flipmylifetv.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we're piecing together funding. It, you know, we do have a GoFundMe, but we're so terrible about asking. It's, it's, Go away. We, we it, do you have can a find it on our that. website <laughs> that we really have raised very, we haven't even put it out there and I think we have raised $500, yeah, but the county sad. commission has given us a little bit. We're going to go to the city council, TVA, Tennessee Valley He's Authority. Helped out, a lot. helped out a lot. They're doing their windows and doors and heating and air, the energy related work. Cause this house is going to state of the art. But um, we're just prayerfully, um, you know, we could use your help. (laughs) We're funding a lot of it right now with our 401k. But here's the thing. I've been financially insecure my entire life. Mm. Um, Just it's a thing with me. But what I know to be true is that our security is not in our 401k. True. So if if we spend it all on this that's okay because this is god's concept this is god's show and this is what we're supposed to do and um we just would appreciate sharing the word and getting it out there because i don't know how to grow an audience 
well, I had the promotion department of Channel 3 <laughs> growing the, good thing the is, audience. Her name I, recognition is big time. Yes, I know, I, and I've learned indeed. that. I've really I, learned that. I don't, I, I indeed, do not keep feel posting confident. on socials. It's okay. Will, I, I feel like that often too, Mary Beth, but guess what? Consistency is key with that social media guy. I'll share yours if you'll share mine. I will we share. have an Instagram page, which we have not put anything on. I'm so bad at yeah. Instagram. Everything on Facebook, put better. it on Instagram. I know. I keep hearing that. Well, <laughs> I, I will say every time we get a little discouraged, something goes wrong, or it's not moving like some part of the build is not moving as fast as mm-hmm. I'm used to or whatever. Mm-hmm. It never fails. We meet someone down here with a story. See? That it's like, oh, my God, our electrician. Roger. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the guy that's helping him has become a master electrician, so yeah. he's going to be the main crew guy. But it's like every who's time. Who's also an expert. The guys, the, the young guys at uh, Lifeline to Success that have come over and helped gut this house, mm-hmm. uh, saying they want to do better for their kids. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God. And it's, they're great guys. I mean, mm-hmm. wonderful. You know, so th- there's always inspiration to always build us up. When we're down. Yes, that's true. I think this is such an amazing concept. And everything that you all have been praying for has come to life. Yeah, I got the woman of my dreams. Yes, yes. if I'd have gotten her when she was eighth grade, she'd turned around when she's walking down that little skimpy bathing Mm -hmm. suit. (laughs) We might not be doing this. Right. So we know. We know. And I wouldn't have my daughter. She wouldn't have her kids. And so it would have, our lives would have been completely different. So now we go. God pulled us apart, you know. I would for a never reason. have moved to Memphis and fallen yeah. in love yeah. with Memphis. Yes, um, we still would have been in that lovely East Tennessee bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't not have a little fallen people, in our life. Mm-hmm. I mean, but we wouldn't. Yeah, we wouldn't have Memphis. It's amazing. We love. Memphis. And you guys are stuck like glue over here, baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, well, the when energy. You, when you the... wait 50 years for it, believe me, you enjoy every minute of it. What's this slowing down after yes. 50? That's not you. true. It's not slowing down over <laughs> here, I tell you that. Now, I do have a question about Flip My Life. Uh, yes. You guys are still currently in production. Yes, we are. So what does a typical day of production look like? Oh, my goodness. Well, there's so many moving parts. The house is 2,600 square feet. So Rick is in charge of the construction aspect of it. But I have to coordinate when, like, for instance, we've hooked up with a great company. It's a a nonprofit, national nonprofit called Center for Employment Opportunities, or CEO. And they hire returning citizens, ex-cons, and train them in the construction trade and landscaping trade. They have a Memphis office. So they are providing us free labor through the end of June. They, We've they, not started using it yet, but we are plan right. on it. Okay. So one of the jobs this week while we were in production was we were going to, to take out, uh, do bo- bobcatting work. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were going to do it, and we were going to film them and interview some of the guys. And we, the only day they could do it was Friday, and, you know, yesterday was rainy. Rain. It was horrible. And we couldn't horrible. find a bobcat. So we, and we couldn't find a bobcat. Uh. So, so the the construction goes one way, but we have to coordinate it with the production, which often goes another way. Hopefully, hopefully the weather will be good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of have to coordinate that, right? We have yeah. to. So that's been a challenge. But the typical day on site is Rick decides is today going to be framing we spent it took us three months working with a crew of about seven lifeline to success three to seven students all of whom are returning citizens 
just to demolish the house because mm. every wire, every nail. I'm, I'm wanting to show something. Oh, I'm, she gets I'm in. A walking. This woman. Now you know TV personalities supposedly don't do anything. They're pretty faces <laughs> and all. This woman gets in. She's crawling and oh. underneath the house, on top of the house, pulling out wet insulation. With rat dew in it. You should have seen me Thursday. Okay, you working. She, oh. Oh. she was out in the rain yesterday. I'm a demolition queen. She okay. and she works as hard as any guy. They they will tell you she works harder than I do. She no, makes me look true. lazy. That's not true. But she's tearing. Yes, every time I want to stop, you make me keep working. <laughs> mm. But she's getting dirty. I do. I do. Down and dirty. Right. Down and yeah. dirty. And um, she can do it both ways. But we'll talk about this construction. Well, right wait now. a minute. Now, she can do it both ways. Did y'all hear Rick? It's to be G-rated. Oh, I'm no, sorry. we're a little R sometimes. We're a little R sometimes. So getting X. I'm starting to blush. Yeah. But yeah, so a typical day, I mean, we will work all day and we'll, we have a crew of three producing it. Um, mm-hmm. Boom Kane Creative is phenomenal. Yes. They, the good thing about it is they're all news photographers mm-hmm. or former news They've photographers. known Mary Beth. They're, they're they stepped right like in. my sons. Yeah. And That's awesome. As you know, from a news perspective, broadcast perspective, when you work in news as a videographer, you, you, you get it and you go. Mm-hmm. There's none of this setting up 85 lights. You know how to light beautifully with a few lights. Yeah. You know how to work a situation where it's very efficient. So very streamlined. So that's a blessing. And they're just on site with us. They follow us. We have an enormous amount of footage. The editing will probably be a nightmare because we have so much footage. And some of that is my fault because I'm not... I don't know how to do TV, so I kind of do a lot of bloopers and say a lot of things I shouldn't See, say. We need some of that in, yeah. in the. Yeah. He'll be the final piece. There's been some times it's like we can't do that. But we've had we've we've had so many people reach out. We're going to have a volunteer day. We would love to put a paintbrush in your hand. Yes, I would love to help. I would love to. We're help. going to have a volunteer day for painting. Okay. Um, and we're we're oh we've connected with the University of Memphis Architecture School. Okay. And because we're changing the front of the house, I don't want to give too much away, because the owners of the house, Lifeline to Success, we have put, they're on orders to not come by the house. Okay. It's less than a mile from their office, but we want the, we want the, reveal, the reveal to be a total That's surprise. That's going to be nice. So the front of the house is going to be totally different. And so we're asking some architecture students to come out and brainstorm with us. Rick has wonderful design ideas what he can do with a space, how he carved out six bedrooms that are good-sized bedrooms in this house is amazing. Because mm-hmm. it was a four-bed, two-and-a-half bath, and it's going to a six-bed, four-and-a-half bath without having to add an addition. Oh, He's wow. He know how to do it. So, But the <laughs> front of the house, he could design it totally. But I wanted, I want, we want this to be a Memphis project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're having these students come out. We're going to shoot them, brainstorm with them. Talk to them about criminal justice reform and restorative justice and what it, what it would look like to the whole community if we could help people by giving them an off-ramp from crime into a productive, positive place where they then become taxpaying citizens, they become healthy parents to their children, mm-hmm. and we stop this generational curse. And that's the reason for the program. Mm-hmm. We want to help people understand that if we practice restorative justice, mm-hmm. it's good for all of us. That is true. The other so, thing is, and I don't true. mean to take up time, but putting a transition house in a neighborhood sometimes, you have hurt feelings. Mm-hmm. People say, I don't want that. Right. And I, 
told the mayor Lee Harris yesterday, I want this house to be the jewel of the neighborhood. Okay. And Lifeline to Success has a habit of going out and providing free days, Saturdays, spruce up the neighborhood day. So these guys are going to be coming out working in that neighborhood, mm-hmm. sprucing it up. And I want those neighbors to say, we've got the best house, and that's a transition house. Mm-hmm. And the People, neighbors, you all need one in yours. Yeah, you know? the neighbors have gotten to the point where they watch it. They watch make sure they come over and tell us if somebody's been casing the joint, you know. We've had someone try they're to steal some protect- stuff, and they've oh, told they us. Oh, they do that. Yeah, yeah. they're very protective. Can you reveal what part of Memphis you're in? Frazier. It's in Frazier. And we hope that next year we want to do a second season. If we don't go broke doing this yeah. one, we will be back. We oh, want no, no. You guys are going to be we would flooded like to with support. All. We would like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. all areas. And there's a lot of development going on in Frazier. Frazier is kind of like ahead of the game in this yes so you know if you're a cdc in in whitehaven if you're a cdc in orange mound if you're a cdc in hickory hill hit us up we want Mm -hmm. we told the mayor yesterday we uh we want to make this an ongoing concern memphis is our town yes we live part-time in east tennessee and part-time in your old stomping grounds meeman shelby forest in a little eight by ten camper Okay. Good thing we're honeymoon. We're saving money. Yeah, yeah still honeymoon. Yeah, because we're, we're not going to spend any money on us. No. <laughs> yeah. The camper doesn't even have water, y'all. Oh, wow. Uh, well, it did have water, but then the water Something pipe broke. broke. We but just it's had okay. We don't it. care. We're you guys look it. so happy. We are so happy. We I, so I can tell. I feel the energy. Yes. yes. So that's what we're doing. Flip my life. Flip my life. God flipped ours. <laughs> That's right. What Mayor Lee Harris had to say about this whole project. He loves it. He loves, loves it. the concept. You know, he's very supportive of restorative justice. Yes. And he's, he initiated the Ban the Box. We're, we talked about that with him. Mm-hmm. Um, they have hired so many former felons that they're actually going to have a, I may be getting ahead of myself, sorry, Mayor Harris. <laughs> sorry. But they're going to have a luncheon this summer celebrating all the hires in Shelby County who have have felonies on their record Mm -hmm. to showcase that these are folks who want to be productive and want to be positive and but want a living wage to support their families yes and think about the little babies who will be healthier if their daddy or mommy is able to be productive and positive that is so true uh, our sponsor from the council uh Oh my gosh, Erica Sugarman. Erica Sugarman. Sugarman. She came out from the Shelby County Commission. She loved her to death. She came out, saw what we were doing before we we were still tearing it out. Mm -hmm. But she sponsored us in front of council. That's amazing. Commission, I'm sorry. She's I get not confused. used to the municipal. Right. You, you know, Memphis a little bit. So thankful for her because, <laughs> yes. you know. And, uh, and, and, and this also is not to, her area. To mm-hmm. Mick Wright. That's right. These are not their It was districts. not her district. But she Wright, was like, this needs to be done. Mikkel Lowry. Mick, yes. Um, and Amber. Mills, mm-hmm. they all they gave uh, us money from their community JB funds. JB Smiley, is that Councilman JB Smiley, out, vice chair? He came out. He gave us a lot of great and advice. Michael and Easter Thomas, so yes. shout out to okay, you. Okay, the whole out. crew. Well, they, Jim they Strickland came out. Steve Mulroy. They, we keep inviting. That's one thing you know a reporter can do. Mm-hmm. I'll bug you to death before you. And they'll come finally. <laughs> they'll come, well, and they've all so. been very positive. Mm-hmm. And that's you know just make it a big Memphis thing. So if anybody out there is with Lowe's or Home Depot, we would love some drywall. <laughs> need it's, some drywall. It keeps me up at night the drywall. amount of drywall we will need for this house. Now when yeah. are we going to be able to see Flip My Life and on what platform? Well, we will um, be finished with the house in September, and then the editing process will begin. And I predict we'll be ready to debut it by the end of October. 
maybe November mm-hmm. of this year. Um, it'll probably be a six-part web series. But we're getting so much stuff as doors open. Part. Yeah, the good part of a web series is you have a little flexibility. Mm-hmm. So as we come across people like our fabulous electrician, Roderick, uh, and Chris, his master electrician, we find these stories that we so many tell. stories yeah. to tell. It may be longer, um, but we are planning to have a red carpet debut. Okay, I'll um, be there. Shout out to my girl Karen at Malco. Um, we've talked about it, and I'm I'm hoping that Don't we forget. can do it at a Malco. <laughs> Don't forget. Shout out. Um, she's awesome. So be looking for that invitation. We're yes. going to put it on YouTube. And I guess I'll I'll have to call you up and get some information about how to do this platform thing. Because, yes. girl, I, I don't know how to do this. Remember that okay. whole part about how I argued with God for three years yes. and said, I don't know how to do this. Yes, but look, you know how to post on Facebook, right? I do know how to post on <laughs> well, Facebook. Well, it depends. We think we do, but um, our kids tell us we don't. Yeah, you do. Mary Beth, I follow you. You do. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk. I can Thank help you, you out. I could use some advice because yes. we don't know. I, I'm literally daily saying, God... This was your idea. Mm-hmm. Need you to open the right doors to show me what I don't know because I don't know a lot. Yes. But he's wow. done that so far. And he's with you, our yes. friendship that we formed for years mm-hmm. and your fabulous podcast. And here we are being able to yeah, share our story. Here. So thank you. And thank you for blessing my audience with this amazing story because I think this affects so many of us. You know, like we've had family members that have gone to jail for making a mistake and just trying to get their life back together, yeah. you know, and you guys are helping these individuals with that. So if they're willing to do the work on themselves and, uh, and the work to, to get back. We're willing to help. And, yes. Uh, I don't, I just, want everybody to remember how much you know god loves you and knows Mm -hmm. you and if you just open that relationship it changed my life doing that yes it has in in such an amazing way you have you know gotten with the love of your life well think about it when i asked for a contractor who would care about reentry, how many of those do you think there are in memphis right right could have introduced me to any number of contractors but god knew he needed to fix me Yes, I would and that's not where it have been starts. Equipped to do it yes. without someone like Rick. And just yes. quick, I thought while I was out in Texas in prison, mm-hmm. I think he set me up with a Memphis connection right off. Okay, because I met a guy out there, William Bedford, that played for Memphis State. Wow, all American, all who could and forget? we became friends in prison. And he was a big Memphis guy. Mm-hmm. I told him to go back home to Memphis and teach bas- coach basketball. But that was before this came along. Mm-hmm. So. I'm looking for a reconnection. So shout yes. out, shout out to what did they call him in prison? Seven one. Mm, shout seven out to seven one. one. Shout out. <laughs> anyway, yeah. sorry, wow. we can go on. No, and on. you guys you are amazing, and I want to thank you for coming to the Verbally Effective Podcast. Thank it's you. an amazing story that is even still developing, yep. and people can definitely tap into it, connect with it, and even support what you guys are doing. Please share the website one more time. So they can connect with you. FlipMyLifeTV.com Yes, and we'll be looking forward to the premiere. I'm coming to the Malco. I'm going to help with the social media platforms. (laughs) And it was such a pleasure meeting you, Rick. Thank you. Very nice meeting you. And you got my girl all happy. Your year is beautiful. 
As Mary Beth said, you were. Thank you so <laughs> much. You I are. appreciate that. I really do. There's no way you're even close to DeAndre Brown's age. <laughs> no way. Maybe not, but yeah. uh, we did attend LOC together. <laughs> and I'm so proud of the work that he's done with yes. restorative yes. justice. Yes. And, you know, Memphis, we deal with so much with what's happening with the systematic issues, uh, with, with, with politics, with uh, crime, with just the system in general. You know, it wasn't really made for somebody that looked like me, <laughs> just to be honest. Many times it was not. Yeah. Yes. And, and Mary sorry. Beth, I appreciate you always for speaking out against it, you know, and trying to change the narrative. It's important. It is. So well, what what people Jesus need do? to know is Mary Beth that you've watched on TV for 38 years mm-hmm. is the same Mary she Beth. Is. She was in eighth grade, although she talks a lot. More. Oh, in the eighth grade, <laughs> but, but the way she acts is the way she is. Just so knuckle, she's knuckle not head. a makeup. Just a knucklehead. Yeah, yeah. A knucklehead. <laughs> Anyone you guys want to shout Thank out you. with your crew before we come to a close? Oh, I'd love to. Chris, Tim, Michael, y'all are the bomb with Boom Kane Creative. They are yes. phenomenal. You need video work. Mm. Boom Kane creates Antonio Kane Abrams. Creative. Thank you. And that came from the first shoot we were on. They made a boom mic out of a cane that we found in the old house. Oh, they we know what they doing then. Yeah. They know what they doing, yeah. Mary Beth. <laughs> they wow. Do. We okay. will improvise if we don't have yes. the equipment. <laughs> yes. Well, we're going to continue to follow you guys' journey with Flip My Life. I'm so excited to see where this goes and the final results after editing. Thank you. It's going to be good, though, because God so. is in the midst of all of it. God's in the house. All right. Well, thank you, Rick and Mary Beth Conley, for joining me today on Verbally Effective Podcast. I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. Yes, and thank you all for tuning in yet again to another episode of the podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, entertainment with a Memphis flair. Big shout outs to Rick and Mary Beth Conley for joining me today. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on all social media platforms. See you all next week.